We are coming in hot. Podcast. Welcome to Coming In Hot. Thank you live from Airplay Beats for the intro music. We are recording live from Darling New Media Studios in Midtown Sack. So, we got a very, 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 very special guest in the building today. This is a special Mother's Day edition of Coming In Hot. So... This this woman that I'm about to introduce, she's known me my whole life. She knew me before I was born. One of the greatest women walking the earth today. Welcome to Coming In Hot, Ida Mae Buford Ruffin. What's up, Mom? I see so. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite an introduction. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. How was your day? How's retired life? I've had a wonderful day. (laughs) What did you do? This is a podcast. We got to talk. You know you're a talker. So let's go. Yes. (laughs) Planning vacations. Yep. You like that? Yes, I like that. (laughs) Planning things to do with my grandchildren. You love doing that. Planning my things to do with my Toastmasters club. You love doing that. And my gardening. Gardening, yes. Yes, gardening is something that I grew up with you. And, you know, like you always had a garden everywhere. You know, we only lived a couple places, but always had a garden. I remember those damn peach trees. Sorry, people. I I, I can't cuss too much on this one. My mom already told me. But I remember picking up peaches off the ground. The the smell. <laughs> so we had peaches in the back. We had cherries on, on the side of the house, right? When we were at Westgate. There was three peach trees. Yeah, huge peach trees. Peach trees, and then I had um, a big garden with all sorts of vegetables, tomatoes, eggplant, collard greens, peppers. Mm-hmm. Always. Eggplant. Yes. <laughs> Always had something growing in the garden. I, re- I remember those days. I, I just remember cleaning up the peaches. I just remember cleaning up those peaches after peach season. But uh, you always had, you know, your your baking skills are magnificent. They always have been, you know. Um, so I'm going to take it all. I'm going to take it back a little bit, Mom. Born in Concord. Um, so when you, when you, did you grow up any time in Concord? Were you living there or were you guys, you guys were, you Elvin and Terry were born in Concord and then moved to SAC? Uh, Elvin and I were born in Concord. Terry was born in Martinez. Mm. And then we moved, we we lived with my grand, maternal grandmother. Mm-hmm. When she moved to Sacramento, the three of us moved with her. Mm-hmm. And we grew up uh, in Sacramento. She moved to um Aunt Ruth, her youngest sister, they own property mm-hmm. in uh, that area, the Oak Park area, and 
This isn't the, this is when Oak Park was, you know, really nice, right? You know, like. Yes, they, they came in the 40s and 50s. Mm. And Aunt Ruth and her husband bought property. Okay. They own different homes and apartments and land. And my grandmother rented property from her. Mm-hmm. Rented. And then um, I think when they were selling property, my grandmother moved a few times. And then my mother eventually moved to Sacramento and we lived off and on with her. Mm-hmm. And then we, then my, as my grandmother moved around, so that's why I went to about 14 different elementary schools is moving <laughs> back and forth between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, oldest of eight children, um, how was the, you know, what was your part and as being the oldest of, you know, eight children, what, what part did you play? Did you, did you play the motherly part? Did you, you know, the big, the fun, big sis, like what part did you play, mom? Well, when I was living with my grandmother, my grandmother did everything and I was like her assistant. So I always had to be with my grandmother preparing the the meals. She did the main bulk of the work, but I had to be right at her side Mm -hmm. doing everything with her. And then in my grandmother's home, the, the boys were separated from the girls. So when I lived with my grandmother, I was only with females. Mm. The females all stayed, they all stayed in one room. We all kept to ourselves, including she also had a housekeeper. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. housekeeper, we all lived in one room. All Everything was done. So um, when my mother was having other children and they were coming to live with my grandmother, they would um, just, um, I didn't have to take care of any boys. <laughs> my mother just had the three boys. So my half-brother, Paul, you grew up with Paul. Yep. Wonderful man. Mm-hmm. He, um, my two brothers had to take care of him. I didn't have to take care of my brothers. Okay. And then when we moved back with my mom, I did all the cooking and cleaning and care for my brothers and sisters. But, um, and then sometimes my grandmother would come and stay for a couple of months and then she took care, ran the household and mm-hmm. then I would just help her. Okay. And, uh, Living with my grandmother is very, um, very strict. <laughs> you, um, it was uh, in the summer, picking fruit, fishing, gardening, canning. That was in the summer. Mm-hmm. All, all the um, there was can uh, different foods that we were planting for the fall. So we hardly ever ate any meat because they fished. Mm-hmm. Um, she and my grandmother and her um, her husband, which is our step grandfather, they fished quite a bit, and we used to go fishing with them along all these areas that, that are now housing, but all the various sloughs around. And we also picked black walnuts and fruit when we were as we were uh, they were fishing. She would have bags and nets and things for the children to pick fruit and nuts. Mm-hmm. And then that, um, my grandmother only cooked from scratch, so everything was made. She was very well known for her pound cakes, 
and her homemade biscuits. We primarily ate um, fish and vegetables and rice. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what we we grew up on. And the, all the vegetables and fruit was from the yard, from from canning, and then the fresh fish every week. So we ate fish throughout the week. And then her husband, Otis, um, very wonderful man to us, a really good grandfather. He, um, he uh, hunted and fished. And when we lived in the, the Bay Area, I remember he was uh, was after this catfish in the, the Bay for many years. He had talked about being after this certain catfish for many years. Mm-hmm. He had a, a boat. And he... He tracked all, he had almanacs and he tracked all the the time, the tides and the season and everything. And he went out, my grandmother kept saying, one of these days you're going to die. You're going <laughs> to die trying to catch that fish. Well, he went out. It was very stormy. She thought he wasn't going to come back, but he did come back and he came back with that fish and they, they took a picture of him. The fish was as tall as he was. It was a catfish. I think they call it a channel catfish, but they were really, really loved fishing. They were people who went out, they studied, <laughs> they had so many fishing poles and hooks and tackle and bait. Mm-hmm. They really, really loved fishing. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I do remember is going to Big Mama's house and, you know, she had that white cooler. And it'd be full of of fish, and then she'd have a bucket right next to it, full of the guts. You know, <laughs> it'd just be well, sitting there. <laughs> that was the one thing that I did do, and I don't miss doing it. Is that <laughs> I had, I was like, oh, this is nobody else in the family wants my grandmother stopped fishing. No one was canning. No, no one. I think Paul might still. My brother Paul. Might still do a little bit of canning, but no one does any canning. And mm-hmm. now all of that generation has passed away, so there's definitely no one fishing. Yeah, there's no yeah. one, no one talking about going fishing or fishing. And um, I, I didn't fish. I would just sit. Always had to sit and watch the uh, the little kids, along with my uh, my other sisters. We'd have to watch. Uh, watch the kids, sit and watch the kids and mm-hmm. uh, and feed feed the kids and everything like that. But um, my uh, grandmother, she loved, she just really loved fishing. She loved having a lot of kids at her house. One year she had about 28 children at her house for the summer and it was quiet. You never heard, never heard any any fighting or arguing, she had very strict rules, and um, the boys pretty much got to go outside. But you didn't just go outside. It wasn't like you just going outside to play. You were going out. She had people that she wanted you to go to their house and pick fruit and nuts. Then I was in charge. I mean, as a really little girl, I would go to uh, these elderly women's house. And sit and read. So I could start. I started reading at the age of four, mm-hmm. and then my grandmother would say, "You need to go over to this Italian lady's house and sit and have tea with her and read." 
or you go over next door to this cat lady house, get a cup of sugar. And then if she asks you if, if she needs help with something, you tell her, yes, she will help her with, you know, just small things. Maybe she needs you to, you know, come over and help her pour milk in the bowl for the cats or something like that. So I always had to do things with the, the neighbors and, and I grew up with people who were, um, who had disabilities. They would come to my grandmother's house, just all assorted people, different cultures, different walks of life. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother always had a house full of people. Then in the fall was a, I don't know if you got a chance to see that Cecil, because I had no idea that my grandmother had gone into the, the her great grandchildren we're still making the um, the dreaded hoghead cheese. And my grandmother <laughs> was very, very good friends with um, the Chinese community mm-hmm. wherever she lived. Mm-hmm. And I remember people coming over and sitting with her and having tea, and she would be making arrangements for this hoghead. And they would have this uh, hoghead ready for her in this gigantic butcher paper and this would be like in September Mm -hmm. so we would be we didn't have to start school until after Labor Day and my grandmother I remember being a little kid like in the first or second grade and she would bring that big gigantic hog head and plop it down on the end of the the, um, dining room table Mm -hmm. And she had meat grinders, and those meat grinders, there was like three or four meat grinders, and they were attached onto the corners as well and sides mm-hmm. of the table. And me and my brothers had to take the meat off this home head <laughs> and grind it. One would have to take it off, and we would cry, and my grandmother had switches. <laughs> we crying, and she's like, you're going to get this, you know? <laughs> I, I wasn't. I I don't think. Maybe I, I I will remember if I had to do that. I I don't well, think I was you. I was a part of it. I remember every time she had it, I went over there and I tried it every single time, and every single time it was horrible. I don't know well, if my my I, taste is my taste has changed a little bit now. So maybe I might like it. I still don't eat chitlins to this day. I've I've tried them so many times. She did not cook. My grandmother didn't cook chitlings or these hog mugs. She didn't cook anything like that. Um, she didn't cook any pig. I know some people ate pig feet and pig tails. She didn't cook. Her her husband ate that, but then once he passed away, she never cooked any of that before. He, he ate oxtail, which I cannot stand the smell of. We didn't hardly eat any meat. Yeah, we didn't eat hard, hardly ever eating meat, but he, I think, liked that kind of food every so often. But she didn't eat, she didn't eat that. We ate fish, but um, I know that um, my mother would have had to be doing the hog head cheese in the fall. My generation did it, and then I know your cousins who are along your age, they were still making hog head cheese because I was telling my youngest half sister, I said, you know. Um, at least you didn't have to make hog head cheese. And she said, what are you talking about? I made hog head cheese every September. We were turned over to, you know, Big Mama's house, taken over there. Yeah. And yeah. she talked about having the, 
the things attached to the side and having to switch. Oh, she knew <laughs> she knew the whole story. And, then I, and I was like, <laughs> but then at my grandmother's funeral, Marcus and Michael and Marcellus were saying they had to make hog head cheese as well. And I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Well, they grew up with Big Mama. Those were her great-grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And they were making hog head cheese <laughs> and picking fruit. And my brother's in the... It, in, in Sacramento, it's like over 100 degrees. My brothers had to walk to the store and get sugar and pectin. I had to wash the jars and sterilize the jars. <laughs> but we had we had good food. We were never hungry. <laughs> no, every every time we went over to Big Mama's house, there was always a spread. I just remember my, my favorite uh, dessert till this day is Big Mama's Blackberry Cobbler. So, yes. so, and you make it too, and but oh man, it's so and delicious. The blackberries were from the. Uh, it was from her garden. Yeah, we picked the blackberries. Yeah. When we, went. <laughs> we had to pick black. Uh, my nails were would be black. I mean, so as you walked in, my grandmother said, "Would have beds." You weren't idle. With my grandmother, you weren't idle. Oh, this this is where you got it from. I never knew the backstory of how, you know, every Saturday morning, because I'll wake up first because I wanted to play my video games. So I'll wake up around 6 o'clock, but it was like clockwork on Saturday. About 8 o'clock, you come out, you know, we washing the walls. We wash. We clean in our bedrooms. We clean the bathrooms. How? How? When did I get started doing this? About six, six years old. My family always had to be always clean. You, you putting your hand on the wall. You better clean it. You real cleaning. <laughs> My grandmother stay off the walls. Yep. Why, the window washing, not, not just Windex. On the wall, just <laughs> have buckets. One summer I spent um, helping her clean the hardwood floor. That was the hardest job I've ever done in my life was cleaning hardwood floors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yes, yeah, she was always, always very busy. I, um, She had me, I think I was probably about, as soon as I could read, maybe five or six, I started teaching myself how to do uh, – you know I love doing needlework, yep. cross stitch and embroidery, and she said read the instructions and teach yourself because she didn't believe in you just sitting and being idle. You should be a productive person. You need to be productive mm-hmm. <laughs> doing something, gardening, needlework, something to show for your life. And then of course she was very religious. We were praying. We always had to read the the Bible and pray and then she always had the singing group the sunshine choir so all the children at her her house we had to sing we were the sunshine choir so she was that was a big mama (laughs) yeah no big mama was the best uh she she loved me so much you know because she loved all the all no, you, she had this love about her that, you know, is unmatched and just a great, great lady just to sit down and talk to, you know, like she, uh, just a wealth of knowledge, you know, and, and Big Mama couldn't read. That was the crazy thing about it. Like I she did not know until I was in, I graduated from high school and Big Mama gave me a big Bible shit it was huge. I still have it. it. It went through the flood, so the paper, the pages are all mad. But it was a, a gigantic one, and she wanted me to write 
our family history in that Bible. And I was asking her some questions and then she told me, you know, I can't read. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I can't read. I'm like, what? Yeah. And I said, well, how are you, uh, how are you spelling? Cause you know, she had bought a house. She, her house is still there. She had bought her house and had been living in her house for, that was after her husband was died. She did all the negotiations. She could count and she can count money. And she just said, I, I can't read. She had memorized all these scriptures. And I was like, well, how are you teaching me how to read? Because she, she taught me, she um, did homework with me when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. All my math and taught me how to tie my shoes, how to do a lot of different things. And then I would sit and read. I had to go over and read to, like I said, I would. she would send me over. There was an Italian woman who lived across the street when she lived in Oak Park. And she said, go across the street and read to, I don't remember what her name was. Just go and read to her and then go next door. There was a German family elderly couple next door. And she said, go over and just sit and read. And I don't know if they could read or not read or what, but I was over reading to all these elderly neighbors Mm-hmm. and um, reading different books. So I really enjoyed reading and writing short stories. I just from, and you know, Big Mom was a great, great storyteller. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember all the stories, but she was a fantastic, just one of the best uh, storytellers. And she said that those stories were handed down from her uncles and from her family. And she has, Poems, I'm writing them down, mm-hmm. but those are from her great-grandmother. And I also, before the last person died in that generation, I was able to get the the family Bible, so it's over 100 years old, disintegrating, but it has our ancestors and from 1831 up to the 1940s. Oh, wow. um, my great-grandmother was recording so, but, okay. and maybe she could read and write, but I, I don't know why my grandmother, um, because all of her other brothers and sisters could read and write. I don't know why she made the choice not to learn how to read because I told her about programs. She started them and she's like, you know, why do I need to learn how to read? I've already, <laughs> she was, you know, maybe in her fifties or something late fifties. And she was just saying, well, I've already bought a house and I, I've done all this and that, and I don't really need to know how to read. <laughs> and people come to my house and get people to read like they've been doing. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, we're, we're going to move on from uh, Big Mama, a uh, great lady, like I said. Um, I, I'm going to – this is what people came here for. Okay. How was Cecil growing up? Cecil <laughs> – from uh, a very little, from a newborn. Hey, we, we only got we only got about uh, thirty five more minutes, mom. So <laughs> we ain't talking about the birth, all right? <laughs> okay, well I'm just saying, like Cecil, from from birth was just a precious baby. You you know you always were very very loving, very cuddly, and everything. Just a very loving. A loving little, uh, very calm. And when you get about two years old, I started noticing you were having a lot of, lot of energy. So I 
get you a ball. And you always like to um, you like to be out outside playing quite a bit. You like to run really hard. So we went to a lot. You know, you and your sister went to a lot of parks. Mm-hmm. We went to the park, rain or shine, year round, <laughs> because you you both of you just love being outdoors and and um, you're very social. Always been very very social. So when you got about three years old, I talked to the pediatrician. I said, you had a lot of energy. And I said, would it be okay for it? They started having some football. And the pediatrician said, absolutely not. He cannot play football, but he can play soccer. So your sister is almost four years older than you. She had brought home a paper that was talking about soccer in the um, Northgate area. And that's how I found at age four, I went over and registered you and you were able to play soccer too, because you had a lot of energy, mm-hmm. just a bundle of energy. And your, your doctor said, there's nothing wrong with him. That's the natural course of growing all the chemicals in the body, the body's growing, the body stretching. That's very natural. And then at that time, people were starting to talk about ADD. And she said, it's not ADD. Mm-hmm. It's a natural course of growing and developing. And he can play soccer because it's a natural, uh, very natural um, running and jumping playing. What so, a great yeah. doctor. Just not going to give you a handful of doctor, pills for your kid. Years. Yeah. She retired, um, just as she said she was going to retire after you graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. Did. She retired on your, I think she retired on your birthday or just after your birthday. But she, um, you remember her. She was very, very nice because I had to get the medical sign off very annually because she played sports from mm-hmm. four all the way through high school. Yep. So you were very, very active playing soccer. And then she said you could play, you desperately want to play baseball. She said, when you become 10 years old, because of the development in your your limbs, she didn't want you swinging and taking anything out of um, out of joint. So I, I listened to her, and you really enjoyed playing sports. So you played soccer, you played basketball, baseball, bowling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, huge bowling family we got. Yes, we bowled. <laughs> And you were in the uh, the hot doggers, hot doggers, yep, yep, yep. And then the, in addition to that, <clears throat> we're very good, devoted Catholic family. Very devoted. Elector, <laughs> 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 you were altar server yep. until you were. 18. <laughs> I think I think I stopped getting in the car at 16. I was like, "Mom, I'm no, over it." Were, no, you were 18 when you stopped. Father trainer was out. Very. I wasn't altar boy at 18. Father trainer was like, "I'm gonna be." It's the altar men. man. He had men up there at age 40, still on the serve, and he was like, "I'm gonna need." Yes, he said, "I'm gonna need Cecil." And what was the other? Brandon. What was his name? Brandon. There's Brandon and then um who's that? Uh Anthony. Anthony served 
Anthony and Brandon both serve. Anthony was in his 20s. <laughs> By the train, it was like, you're going to come up and you're going to serve on the altar today. <laughs> if he saw you at mass, you were you were. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have no yeah, choice if you showed up. Yes, you did serve when you were 18 because your friends all came to mass with us. Just laughing at me the whole time. <laughs> yes. And I said, you know, this is what you do. This is body trainer, wonderful priest. Mm-hmm. He passed away last year. Last year I oh, did he end up passing? I didn't know. During the pandemic. Mm. So there wasn't, um, we couldn't find out anything, but wonderful, wonderful pastor. You grew up with them coming to the house. Oh, yeah. No, me, me and Father Trainer were cool. We were buds. Yes. Yeah. And then we also had the handicapables that I did for more than 20 years, giving people rides who were disabled. So you and Valicia were really exposed to um, all sorts of things. So we, to remember, drive. I drove uh, for many, many years. People thought those were your grandparents, but... <laughs> Uh, Emma and Terrence would pick Emma and Terrence, that was her name, yeah. <laughs> Emma and Terrence. From the retirement home, and then I had Tilly, who was, um, she was blind. She lived alone in her own home. And then I had two people who were hearing impaired. And we had a good time, and we would go to a different Catholic church every month. That was that, what that group did, was to mm-hmm. expose people with disabilities to different Catholic churches. And we would go, and then um, after Mass, there would be a two-hour social. So that that Catholic church would host a a two-hour social that included a a luncheon. So we got to see all sorts of entertainment. Remember the priest who sang like Elvis Presley, and we had the Irish dancers, music, and Boy Scouts uh, helping. And you were about five or six years old. You would help feed people who couldn't feed themselves mm-hmm. and um, and go around and see who you could, you know, people, you would, people in wheelchairs, you would help them push their chairs and, and um, sit with them and help feed them and talk to them. So <laughs> then that one time we had this huge donation of, uh, of um, there was a, a group that, knew that I worked with people with disabilities, so they gave us all these Christmas stockings. And there were hospital, there was, um, I think they were convalescent hospital and and in a retirement home and some other places in the area. And you went with me to hand out all these Christmas gifts to these different facilities. And I remember we had to, go through the stockings to make sure that that um, some of the things were appropriate for people who may, I think there was some people who had Alzheimer's and things like that. So we had to sit down with the directors and go, go through all the things to make sure that there wasn't anything that might they might get hurt on. But I know for years, at least 10 years or more, we were picking up um, that elderly. They were not a couple. Emma and Terrence, they were in their 80s, and uh, we would take them to your baseball games. I always carry chairs and uh, the chairs in my trunk with a blanket, and 
you would have a baseball game on a Saturday afternoon, and I would just go and pick Emma and Terrence up and bring them out and put the chairs up and then put a blanket out, and I would have a picnic with me, and they would watch you play baseball. And you remember they came to many of your baseball games. Mm -hmm. And then they were with us on Easter, Christmas Eve, and then I took the, we took them uh, on their birthdays. We would go to Denny's <laughs> for their birthday. Mm -hmm. And Emma had uh, dementia, but I never, I think it was about eight or 10 years before I found out that Emma had relatives. And they, um, because she lived in a, a retirement home, there's no medical staff in that home. It's just a home where people can can live as long as they're ambulatory. They can take care of themselves. There's no medical staff there. There's a housekeeper and a cook. And I would just uh, sign them out. And we'd be gone all day. And they loved that. They looked forward to it. Mm -hmm. Really, really looked forward to us picking them up. And Emma, who was supposed to have dementia, she's like, is Cecil going to be playing baseball today? And I was like, I was like, how could she remember your name? But then I, I, uh, it was on like a Easter that I picked her up. We were going to go out to my big mama's house. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time that I had met one of her daughters. And she said, are you my mom's friend? Oh, wow. <laughs> she said, they, yeah, the housekeeper told me that for about eight or 10 years, you've been coming here. And then <clears throat> I went back to her room to go get her purse. And she said, they said, you've been coming here about 10 years to pick her up. And I said, yes, we're on our way to go out. We're on our way out now for to go, you know, for Easter, you know, to my grandmother's house for Easter. And I said, do you want, you want your mom to, you want to take her? No, 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 just go ahead and take her. She's been going with you all these years. <laughs> she said she has places to go every time we come to say we want to, do something with she said she has places to go and people to see. <laughs> and I said, well, she goes to, she goes to church. She goes, well, mom has dementia. I said, I don't know what kind of dementia she has because she goes to mass. Well, does she take communion? Yes, she takes communion. Really? I didn't even know she could, she could open up her mouth and eat by herself. <laughs> I'm like, yes, your mother goes out. We go, we go to the, <laughs> we go you know, and have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They come over to my house for socials. <laughs> Sound like Emma just wanted to get away from the fam. <laughs> I think she just wanted to get away from the family. Hey, Bob. <laughs> Terrence. <laughs> Terrence uh, Go ahead. You remember Terrence? He was. Uh, oh, I remember Terrence. I remember so Terrence. Very different. With, uh, he was hearing impaired, but he also had some other things going on. <laughs> um, they never could find any family for him. Mm -hmm. People thought, insisted that I was his daughter. I'm like, he's Irish. I'm not Irish. <laughs> I, I, uh, I said, no, I am not his daughter. You are his daughter and because you always hear. He didn't have anyone. I was with him when he got sick and he was in the hospital. And then um, I got the priest and I was with him all the way to the end. But because he didn't have any will or anything like that, there was nothing I could, could 
do. I couldn't get his body or anything like that. Mm -hmm. The trainer checked into it and just said they would just put him in the potter's field until someone claimed him. Yeah. And then I got a call from the county and they were like, well, you must be his daughter. People say they always saw you with them. You was with them for 15 years. Didn't you find out any information about him? I'm like, no, run his social security, see where he came from. They never could find out where he came from. He had money to pay for that facility that he was mm-hmm. in. I said, you just have to check and run things. But but he was, you know, very nice. You could talk to him sometimes. And we bought him so many gifts over the years because he always dressed really strange. And we would buy socks and T-shirts and pants and things like that. Be uh, just before he died, the director of that facility, she asked me to come over, and he had too many things. She said he had bins in a, in a, he had about ten storage uh, units, and she had me come over and I opened up the drawer, and I saw all the stuff that we had given him <laughs> just stuffed in the drawer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah good old terrence uh yeah he always used to have the same outfit that's all i remember those brown pants the brown the brown shoes and like a, a light brown shirt <laughs> hey mom uh you ready to play some games we're gonna get into the game portion yeah. of this all yes. right all right the first one is top five mom top five. Uh, yeah and this has to do with traveling all right. Okay. I need your top five places that you traveled. Cause you you're a world traveler. You've been all around the world. Give me give me top five places people should go. Any order you want. Okay. I think you should definitely go to the Oregon coast. All right. That's it's it's beautiful. And you should definitely Try and one one time in your life get to Australia. All right, that's on my list. New Zealand, right beautiful. next door. And uh, let's see, Hawaii. Only place I've Hawaii. been. <laughs> Maui. Yep. Or do some island hopping, and then I would say explore California. California is. I'm a native of California, and California is one of the most beautiful places in the world. It's everything here, mm-hmm. from um, the desert to the mountains and snow, dry heat, mm-hmm. humidity, humidity. So explore California. All right. That's a good top five, Mom. All right. I got one more top five for you. Top five ways the retired mom. Wait, hold on. Let me rephrase this. All right. <laughs> All right. Your top five uh, pandemic uh, pandemic rituals that you did over this last year. What What's your top five things to do during a pandemic, mom? Okay. Um. Number one is to, to exercise. I was getting up at 5.30 mm-hmm. with the PBS, doing the stretches and the chair uh, exercises and yoga, so exercise. All right. And then I would say the gardening. I also did the gardening because that's something you can do at home. 
let's see. Um, I did some, went through some recipes, looked through and cleaned out my recipe books. And I also went through, did some, uh, I have bags and bags of clothes. I'm ready to take over to weave, cleaning out closets. And the number one thing that I really enjoy is my little Vivi. Oh, Vivian. She yeah. loves Nana. Yes. Yes, yes. Two we peas in a pod here. Lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, fun. you and know, like. That Zoom, the Zoom so that I could talk to the other two girls, too, in Georgia. Yes, yes. My other two little granddaughters. So I, I never even thought about setting up a Zoom, and I set up, got my own Zoom account and set it up so that I could see the girls and talk to them since they weren't able to come last year. <laughs> mm, yep. Yep, they've been out here every summer since they were born, and yeah, last year we missed them. Um, yes. So <clears throat> this is the this is the part right here, Mom. I called you last night. Oh, oh, wait! <laughs> she got papers. <laughs> oh man! Hey, this ain't a Toastmaster speech right here, yes. Mom. This ain't. <laughs> She brought out the papers. All right, Bob. Hey, it looks like you're ready. <laughs> Ida May Buford Ruffin. It is I was t- on with my Natoma's <laughs> pop-up Toastmasters last night. And next week I will be on with my Cal Center Communicator Toastmasters. Toastmasters is the greatest. <laughs> Okay. Hey, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta bring you into the covenant hot. All right. Okay. Hey, mom, this ain't a Toastmaster speech. I need about three minutes. All right. So those two pages, those two pages right there, we ain't going to get through the two pages. All right. Ida May Buford Ruffin, come in hot. Get it, mom. Okay. Okay. This is Teacher Appreciation Week. Teachers Appreciation Week is celebrated the first full week of May each year. This year is May 3rd through the 7th. It's also uh, called National Teachers Day, which falls on uh, Teacher Appreciation Week. And it's today, uh, yesterday, May 4th. And we celebrate Teacher Appreciation Week as an important time to shine a light on teachers and thank them for the pivotal role they play in children's lives and futures. And I want to just thank you. I don't know if any of my teachers are still living, but if they are and they hear this podcast, and I want to just thank some teachers from special schools that I went to. The first school on here is Caleb Greenwood Elementary. Shout out. Fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Scarborough. Shout out. She taught me the importance about voting and keeping abreast of current events, community involvement, and current events, and helping others with disabilities especially. That librarian from Caleb Greenwood as well, and Principal Hoffman, who believed in zero tolerance and bullying, because every school I went to, I was beat up. And he was, uh, uh, when I got beat up from his school and I had to go and live with my mother, 
he said he was going to scour the earth and find <laughs> whoever beat me up. And he called my my mother and my grandmother and kept, kept them abreast of what he was doing. All right. <laughs> so Crocker Elementary School was my favorite school, the most memorable. Uh, fifth grade, Miss Post. And uh, she she married, so I don't know what her married name was. Uh, academics and music and choir. And then my sixth grade teacher at Crocker Elementary was Mrs. Drews. Guidance to reach for the stars, cultural diversity, and a strong promoter of math, English, science. And she really wanted all of us to aspire to go to college. Also, the librarian, Mrs. Hubbard, gave me guidance on research projects, how to read a variety of books. And then the other one was Principal Johnson at the Crocker Elementary School. Zero tolerance on bullying. He was Bulldog Johnson. He also promoted the food program and made sure that any children, especially if they looked like they were hungry, they were hungry, that they got food. And I, I never knew about, um, I, I was hungry some uh, many times because uh, when I was living with my mom, she mm -hmm. probably just didn't have the money and resources, but he made sure we were, were fed and got food. And then Donner Elementary School, that um, now UC Davis, I think. Mm -hmm. Sixth grade, there was a teacher named Mr. Morrison. It was uh, considered an inter-city school, and he paid out of pocket for the bus and the field trips and all the food that we ate on those field trips. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then in my uh, Las Palmas Junior High School, my English teachers and Mrs. Ramsey, who's our reading teacher, and she also encouraged me to do story writing. And then also I had a science teacher. I don't remember her name. And then I went to Norty Del Rio High School, the number one top teacher who really uh, loves science. I had him three years. Mr. Wilgus, biology, chemistry, advanced and advanced biology. And he took us out to UC Davis. He was making young scientists. He really encouraged us. He really worked directly with us. And then there was Miss Chilcott and Mr. Brooks, who really um, helped me and encouraged me in my math and especially algebra. And there's at that same school, Miss Schultz and Miss Terrell, physical education and hygiene. And then my, and I had a 10th grade English teacher, I don't remember her name, and Mr. Buell and Mr. Hoffman, business administration. And then at Sac State, definitely Professor Thornton, who I, her name, I think she went back to her maiden name, Professor Simmons. Wonderful, wonderful professor, because I'm an alumni also of Sac State. And I want to thank also those teachers that my kids had um, at Maury Avenue Head Start School, St. Joseph School, which was formerly called Our Lady of Fatima Catholic School, Sister Rita, Sister Mary, and all the other teachers. And thank you to the teachers at Mariloma High School that Cecil went to, especially Mrs. Axtell, Cecil's marketing teacher. And thank you to the teachers and all the um, instructors at St. Francis High School where Belicia went at the all-girls Catholic high school. So this is a shout out and a thank you Big appreciation for all those teachers who are devoted and dedicating to um, making the lives of, of children and young people better 
and memorable. And that is my speech. <laughs> That's your TED That's talk your right speech. there, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, um, so before we get out of here, um, I want to take a little moment here just to thank you, mom. And, you know, um, uh, a lot of people, you know, they know like my struggles with alcohol and stuff. And I really didn't get into this stuff. I wasn't even my mom's house when I really had my downward turn. Um, I was more of an adult, um, like in my twenties because, you know, as you just heard, you know, uh, I was, a our family was strong and we stuck together and I just wanted to go out on my own and thought I knew the world. And, you know, through all of this, through these last few years and, you know, even beyond my mom's always had my back. She's always took me in when I didn't have a place to go. And, you know, I just want to tell you right here in front of everybody that's listening. Thank you, mom. I love you. Happy mother's day. Thank you. I love you, my son. <laughs> and what I always say, don't wallow. Get up and don't wallow. Get up and don't wallow. There you go. <laughs> hey, for coming in hot, this is Chef Cease. You can holler at me at Nash and Proper. You can holler at me at Chef Cease. You can holler at me at Coming In Hot. Go to www.nashandproper.com for those delicious, crispy, hot chicken sandwiches from your favorite spot, Nash and Proper. I'll see you next week. Love you. Peace. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs>